right after Titus. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. Or, or if you want to go to page 1482 in your Bibles, <laughs> maybe uh, we'll, we'll line up on the same page. But the book of Philemon, you know, I'm fascinated by construction equipment. And, and one of the pieces of equipment, um, you know, that great big giant steel ball that they use to smash buildings with. And, and, and the foreman, he signals, and, and they start to sway that giant ball, and it's released into a wall. And with a dynamite force, it's reverberating crash. It beats the wall, snapping the bricks like twigs. And the mortar, it just shatters it. And repeatedly they do this, and the pendulum works, and soon this barrier has been reduced to rubble. Then it's carted away so that new construction can begin. Well, life has many walls and fences that divide, separate, and compartmentalize us. Not made of wood or stone, there are personal obstructions that, that are blocking people from each other and from God. And if you can remember two years ago with this COVID-19, how it separated us and kept us all divided and kept the churches closed and, and just it wasn't a good time. But Jesus, the great wall remover, came tearing down that sin partition that separates us from God and blasting the barriers that keep us from each other. Jesus' death and the resurrection opened the way to eternal life, to bring all who believe into the family of God. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, For he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and broken down that middle wall of separation. Now, in Roman and Greek and Jewish cultures, they were littered with barriers in their societies, assigning people to class and expected them to stay in their places. Men, women, slaves, free, rich, poor, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, barbarians, pious, pagans. You were all assigned a place and you were expected to stay in that place. But the message of Christ proclaiming the kingdom the Apostle Paul could declare in Colossians 3.11, he says, There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. This life-changing truth forms the backdrop for the letter of Philemon. Philemon excuse me, One of three personal letters in the Bible. This letter to Philemon, he says, is the Apostle Paul's personal plea for a slave, a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus belonged to Philemon, a member of the Colossian church and Paul's friend, but Onesimus was a slave, and he had stolen from his master and he had run away. He had run to Rome where he had met Paul, and there he had responded to the good news and he had come to faith in Christ. So Paul wrote to Philemon and reintroduced Onesimus to him, explaining that he was sending him back, not as his slave, but as his brother. And now, as Philemon is beginning to receive these letters, 
he is expected to accept Onesimus back as his brother. The barriers of the past and the new ones erected by Onesimus by his desertion and the theft should provide them no longer separation. They are now one in Christ. This small love letter that we're going to read tonight is a masterpiece of grace and tact and a profound demonstration of the power of Christ and the true Christian fellowship in action. So, question for you tonight, Christian. What separates you from your fellow believers? Is it race, status, wealth, your education, your personality? As with Philemon, God calls you to seek unity, breaking down those walls, breaking down those barriers, embracing your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's go to Philemon, not Philippians, Philemon chapter 1. I want to read to you verses that start with 1 and 3. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles back at that time would preach in synagogues in an attempt to evangelize their Jewish brethren. Earlier or early church services were not always held in grand buildings like this. That didn't happen. Believers met in homes to study the word, pray, fellowship, and worship together. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Philemon had one of these churches in his home in Colossae. The reason this book might not seem so familiar or it might be unfamiliar to you is not, it's not always preached. It's not always shared from. See, Philemon was the son of Paul, and we don't hear a lot about Philemon in the New Testament. Now, Paul is writing to Philemon about a new son that he has begotten in his old age. And this new son's name is Onesimus. Let's look at verses 4 through 7. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. The irony here is Philemon is a slave owner and Anesimus is a runaway slave. Now, Philemon doesn't speak about a lot of doc, you know, doctrinal issues and value. It doesn't set up the order of the church. It doesn't talk about deacons or, or uh, pastors and how the church should be run. This is a letter addressed to a family and a church. It's just a quick, simple love letter written by a shaky hand of an old man named Paul who thought it was important to stand in the position and officiate for this runaway slave. Now, the text doesn't tell us how these two men met or how they ran into each other, 
The Bible's unclear. But Onesimus could run into Paul how he did that, Paul being in prison. So let's, let, let's review this. Let me set this up. You have a prisoner who is outwardly incarcerated, but inwardly he's free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. John chapter 8, verse 36. Writing to a slave owner, trying to get his slave owner to receive a runaway slave. Each man in some way is incarcerated, and in each way, each man is somehow or in some way they're liberated. Paul is bound on the outside, but he's free on the inside. Philemon, he's writing to, to say, by all rights, Onesimus is your slave. You paid the price for him, but he didn't treat you so good. He didn't serve out his time with you. He ran away, but I want you to receive him back because he ran away from you, but he ran into me, Paul is saying. And in the process of him running into me, I converted him. And who once was your slave is now my son. Now, Philemon, this puts you in a dilemma, it, or as we used to say in the 70s, it puts you in a trick bag. Because if Onesimus is my son, then he is your brother. And if he's your brother, he can't be your slave. Onesimus is a runaway slave. You know what it is to be a runaway slave and you're running away from something? It could be anger issues. It could be unhealed relationships. It could be unchanging characters in your own behavior and you don't know how to deal with them, so you're running away. You're a runaway slave. You might not admit it, but all of us in here have been a runaway slave at one time or another. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't get ethnic on me in here. I mean, you don't have to be black to be a slave, okay? You still can be a slave. Anytime you wanted to run away from how you've been defined, anytime you're running away about how people saw you, Anytime you're running away from the limited perspective of how people view your life, anytime you refuse to be bound and you've got into a trap and you've got to get away, you've been a runaway slave. Some of y'all running right now. Running from the limited way people view you. I know Pastor Joe shared from time to time when Pastor Raul got saved, Pastor Raul became a pastor, and he came back to hang out with Pastor Joe and all the other people. They couldn't see Pastor Raul in this light. They couldn't see that Pastor Raul was stepping into his destiny. See, they still saw Raul as one of the boys. They didn't see him, how God was using his life and how he's moving forward. And sometimes people will see you that way. They don't see how God is using you how he's using your life. Running from your past or maybe even from your background, Onesimus was a runaway slave. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. Therefore, 
Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, Paul is saying, yet for love's sake, underline that word love, love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such as one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you from my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. This letter was written during Paul's imprisonment in Rome, and it was under his teaching that Onesimus had become a Christian. Now, Paul is unable to accompany Onesimus back to his master's house in Colossae, so Paul wrote to Philemon on his behalf, asking him to forgive Onesimus. He ran up on Paul and got liberated. Now he is liberated on the inside, but he's still a slave on the outside. Now, if you're a runaway slave and you were caught, you lived in danger of being destroyed. They, by all accounts and every right, could kill you. Paul, who can't get out of prison, is writing a letter so somebody can be free. And in verse 12, you see his point, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my heart, Paul is saying. I believe God must have a special love for runaways. The pages of Scripture record dozens of people who were prone to flight, who were prone to run away. Like from Adam and Eve, you remember their attempt then to elude God in the garden. Adam, where are you? And he's trying to run and hide from God. That's, that's so funny. Or Jacob, as he ran and tried to escape from his brother Esau. And Jacob also ran from his father-in-law, Laban. Or how that inner circle of disciples who fled from the garden when Jesus was captured. The Bible has a collection of runaways. But listen, listen, listen. When God finds runaways, and he will find you. Isaiah 59.1 says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. God will often send runaways back to the very place and the people with which they ran away from in the first place. And as you grow closer to God, has he become more real in your life? Has your past come into a new perspective, or even has it? Are there still situations from your past that still need to be resolved? Is there still more of your heart that God doesn't have? In what ways has your relationship with Jesus given you new opportunities and resources to face that you used to run away from? It must have been extremely difficult for Onesimus to do the right thing and return to Colossae and accept whatever punishment awaited him. More than likely, it weighed on Paul's heart as well. Paul had grown close to this new convert, and he had watched his faith in Christ 
blossom under his mentorship. Both were probably aware that Philemon had a right to put this new convert to death for his crimes. As believers, our charge is not always to avoid the difficulties of this life, but to obey God. So Onesimus himself carried the letters to Philemon. Question, who are you going to help set free this year? Who are you going to help? Let's look at verses 13 to 14. Whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. I would love to keep him, says Paul. He tells Philemon, I would love to have him here. I could have him here with me and help me. But Onesimus has already been of great help to me and has been a great comfort to me. All of us can appreciate those who come alongside of us and help us. We all have people in our lives who are dear to us. And they, they seem to come at the right time. And they're a help to us. So much of a help and comfort, we hate to see them leave when they have to go. And this was the predicament Paul found himself in. Onesimus needed to go back. He needed to set things straight. But Paul also wanted to keep him because he was such of use and such a comfort to Paul. Now, I don't, he says in verse 14, I don't want to do something that would interfere with your relationship with Onesimus. Paul encouraged Philemon to make the right decision on his own accord. Likewise, the Lord will give us opportunities to follow him in faith, and we should do the same regardless of the cost. God has the power to compel us to do what's right. He could make us all be robots at that, but he wants us to do it in love and of our own free wills. Why not? Because he truly loves us. He truly believes that his way is the best way for us, and we will have trouble doing it any other way. And he started out as a runaway slave, but I want you to understand tonight, this doesn't necessarily matter where you started. It matters where you finish. Anybody can start the race, but can you finish the race? You might have started out and it might not have started out real good. But that doesn't mean you can't have a happy ending. My wife, she likes to watch this channel. It's called um, Hallmark. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Oh, y'all seen it. Okay. Uh, so everybody's seen Hallmark. And I'll walk in the house and Sherry will have Hallmark on. And every story is the same. I mean... Um, they always, they start out, he doesn't love her, then he loves, he falls in love with her, she falls in love with him, and they fall in love together, and it has a happy ending, and it's about love. I call it the love channel. Onesimus, God did not intend for you to be in Philemon's life, but not as a slave, but as his brother, as Paul is writing. 
So he gave you the same spiritual father, Paul, so he could intercede because love will always intercede. Love will always intercede. You don't believe me? Check this. Just watch the first reaction of any mother if you come against one of her children. Right? I want to give you a couple points on love. First point, love will always work as an arbitrator. You see here in the text, Paul works as an arbitrator, arbitrating between two opposing sides. Second point, love is a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. I tell you this because I think this is valuable so you can determine whether or not you have any true love in your life. The people you have in your life who strategize how to keep you in conflict with other people, they don't love you. They don't love you. Because real love, real love is a peacemaker. It's not a truce breaker. Real love will come and reason with you and say things like, now baby, you know you ought not act like that. Love is an arbitrator. It's a peacemaker. It stands in the hedge for you and I. And that's God's love, standing in the hedge for you and I. So I'm talking to the person tonight that had a rough start, who had some disappointments. You've had some setbacks. Don't let those setbacks keep you from making your comeback. I want to send you a love letter. I want to send you a love letter tonight. You didn't start out so well, but you can end up really good. You may have had a rough, rocky start, but you're going to have a long, happy ending. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6 that he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to send you a love letter only to tell you your running days are over. No, wait, let me personalize it. Donald, your running days are over. I want to send you a love letter to tell you your running days are over. We've been running too long. You are going to miss the opportunities that are in front of you if you continue to run from the pain in your past. Paul says, I'm writing a love letter so uneasiness doesn't have to run anymore in your life. Stop running and face the things that you're afraid of. Stop running and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stop running so you can step into your destiny of what the Lord has for you in 2023. Onesimus, you are useful for the kingdom. And each one of you is useful for the kingdom. Third point here, love is a transformer. It will allow you to change and grow. Love will love you as a servant but still embrace you as a son of Christ. You remember when the children of Egypt were, uh, of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were running. And they left Egypt like runaway slaves. 
running from Pharaoh who was in hot pursuit of them, and he wanted to destroy them. They got to the Red Sea with their master chasing them, and they began to murmur and complain against Moses, saying to him, how dare you bring us down here to die? They thought their old master was going to overtake them, but the master of masters waved his power, opened the Red Sea, and the slaves crossed on dry ground. They stepped into the Red Sea as slaves, but by the time they had walked through, they came up on the other side as sons and daughters of God. In a baptism, when you go down one way, you come up another. He'll take you down asleep, and he'll bring you up a son or a daughter. Then you know you will really have in your life, if they can receive and accept you, the people that are in your life, the way your new life is now. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. That's why I believe when you come to the Lord, you have to let some people go. Some of those old people you have to say goodbye to. They're not profitable anymore. And that's okay. Because the people God is giving you are far better than the people you're losing. Love is a transformer. If you really love me, you won't just love the old me. You'll love the new me as well. You'll love the new creation God has made me into. And in verse 15, Paul did not know why Onesimus ran away from his master. No doubt he's escaped because of an economic setback from Philemon. And Philemon, he suffered loss when Onesimus ran away. Because when Onesimus ran away, he took stuff with him. He just didn't leave and just, I mean, he, he said, hey, I, I like this. I'm going to take this with me. Uh, years ago, Sherry and I, um, we had our home broken into and they ransacked the whole house. And my youngest daughter, Brandy, came home from school, and she walked in, and, and she saw the whole house just, you know, or her room she went into, and it was tossed. And at first she thought it was a joke, because her mom used to do that sort of thing. <laughs> no, no. She, now, I'm probably talking out of school, but my wife is a person who has a place for everything and everything in its place. And she would fold my daughter's laundry and give it to them and put it in the drawer and, and put it away neatly, guys. And they didn't do that. Sherry would walk in there, grab that drawer, pull it out, and pour everything out and say, start over. So we got home. The whole house was tossed. They had gone into my daughter's room, and they had pulled everything out. They went into our room and pulled everything out and tossed it. Both my daughters, Desiree Brandy and Sherry, my wife, they felt totally violated because someone had touched their things. Someone had been in their room. So could you imagine if someone comes into your house, takes your money, your clothes, your valuables? Imagine how Philemon must have felt. And now Paul is saying to Philemon, you need to take Onesimus back. Mmm, that takes some serious prayer. That takes some serious prayer. Because he's asking him to take this runaway thief back into his good graces. Verses 16 and 18. 
no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me a partner, receive me as you would, he, you would, you, excuse me, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Wow. What a wonderful, what kind of ministry could Onesimus possibly have being a slave in ancient Rome? But Onesimus became extremely important and helpful to the Apostle Paul. This demonstrates how God can take our sinful mistakes, turn them around for his glory. All we have to do is be willing, if we're willing. While we see only a runaway servant, the Lord saw a person with great potential, one that could be equipped for a special ministry. But the step has to first be surrender to God's command. It can't be my way. It's his way. Verses 19 through 25. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Now is farewell. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Articus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. What an absolute awesome offer. Paul basically reminds Philemon that what Christ did on the cross for everyone who believes in him just canceled the debt of our sin. Romans 6.23, Colossians 2 and 13. He took away our sin and the wrath you and I deserve. Jesus gave his righteousness so that you and I could have an intimate relationship with him. So, in closing, I'm going to land this thing. Will you choose to die, wife or husband, by laying down your hurts, your fears, your cares and concern in order to make peace with your wife, husband, maybe your parents, classmates, friends, and break down those barriers? Or at work or in a classroom, or even in the church, in our homes. The only way there can be true reconciliation is if someone dies. The question tonight is, will it be you? Who will break down the barriers? But Donald, you don't understand. (laughs) You just don't understand. No, it's not that simple. He has to pay for what he said about me. Or she has to pay for what she did to me. They have to pay for how they hurt me. It's already been paid for. Jesus said it. Jesus bled on the cross of Calvary to absorb that sin specifically. 
Therefore, all that remains is for us to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for breaking down those barriers. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you, Lord, that I'm no longer under that weight. May we, like Onesimus, celebrate the freedom of our salvation. And if you don't have that, we're going to pray about that tonight. May we, like Philemon, embrace others, knowing that their sin has been imputed to our Lord's account. And may we, like Paul, be peacemakers in 2023. And to make a point here, we cannot say we are Christians and have no love for our fellow man. Let's pray. Father God, we do come before you again tonight, gracious God in heaven. And as we close in this time, Father, Lord, I just pray that you speak to each one of our hearts, that you give us wisdom, that you give us a vision. Lord, that each one of us, Father, wants to write you a love letter and say thank you for setting us free. Lord, each one of us wants to be free, but apart from you, we can do nothing because we don't know how. Thank you, God, that a relationship with you is the pearl of great value. Keep each one of us close to you. Help us to avoid anything that draws us away from you, God. Our relationship with you, Lord, is the most important thing in this world. And Father, if, if there's nothing else, Lord God, we just give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we give you everything, Father God. And Lord, we pray if there's anyone here tonight, anyone that's tuned in, if you don't know the Lord, I want to pray a prayer, and I just pray that you would repeat this prayer, but you've got to mean it for yourself. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. I confess to you that I have sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and make me new. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And we pray these things by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Wednesday...